the New Hampshire summer is slipping away in the Granite State. Welcome to the Party Line Podcast. My name is Colin Booth, Communications Director at the NHDP, and I'm here with your host, New Hampshire Democratic Party Chair, Ray Buckley. Hey, Granite Staters. Thanks, Colin. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Party Line Podcast, hosted by yours truly, me. Uh, this week, we have an important guest joining us here, Hollis State Representative Ben Ming, uh, who is one of the co-chairs of this year's NHTP State Convention on Saturday, September 30th. And uh, Ben was uh, behind some of the most consequential legislation coming out of the State House this year. That's awesome. He's, he's going to be a great guest, great guy. Uh, but first, updates from the NHTP chairman. Can you tell us a little about what's happening at the party? Well, uh, let's talk again about the convention that's coming up. Uh, we've got the state convention coming Saturday, September 30th at Bedford High School. And our very special guest, our keynote speaker, is Governor Josh Shapiro of Pennsylvania, which we'll be talking about in a few minutes. We've also got the uh, crucial upcoming special election in Northwood, Nottingham with Democratic candidate Hal Rafter on September 19th. Uh, this would be a pickup of a Republican seat, so we really uh, would love to win that one. Uh, we need all hands on deck to make sure that we secure this victory. Uh, to help us out, uh, reach out to Julian Sutcliffe at Julian at nhhousedems.org to get involved. Also, if you're living in one of the uh, 13 cities in New Hampshire, check your city clerk's website to see if there are positions that are open, uh, running for school board or city council uh, or uh, any of the local election positions, uh, absolutely critically important. Uh, and if you need any more information, just uh, email us at political at nhdp.org. As usual, Lots of great things going on, lots of moving and shaking. Uh, but now, political news in the Granite State and beyond. Huge news out of last week. I mean, come on. Uh, Representative-elect David Fract won the special election in Enfield, picked up more than 71% of the vote. And I'm going to say it again, 71% of the total vote outperformed uh so many other people in that district, just incredible performance. This makes seven victories in eight election contests, special election contests since 2021. Um, just an unbelievable record of success for these special elections, which are so, so, so important when the House is as close as it is. Well, obviously, we want to wish congratulations to, to Representative-elect uh, Frack, but what I thought was most significant is not a single tweet from <laughs> any of them. Not the Republican Party. Nothing. Not, not the little smart Alex, the, the Tweedledee twims, uh, yep. t t uh, twins. Uh, you know, not none of their little smart Alecky nope. anything. Not, not just even a rejoinder. As if they were in some sort of coma of stress, <laughs> worrying about what... The yeah. mugshot of their favorite president was going to look like later in the week. What, a, what a week! For, what a week for the yeah. Republican smartasses here in New Hampshire. You know, not a great week, all things considered. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, paralyzed with fear, anxiety, shame, any number of reasons they 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 couldn't say anything. But, Chairman, do you think you know any of the recent? I mean, this is a pretty dramatic overperformance. Do you think? This is yet another data point in the idea that, you know, Republican messaging priorities on demonizing 
you know, gay and trans kids in schools maybe just isn't vibing with the people of New Hampshire? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they create their own little bubble and where they convince themselves that this is a radical right Alabama, Mississippi kind of Republican state. And they truly honestly believe that that's what they live in, even though that is not reality. Yeah. This is a purpley blue state. Yeah. I mean, we, we win overwhelmingly the statewide election or the congressional races, uh, uh, gubernatorial. We, you know, are struggling because of the gerrymandering, but we still get more votes than they get. But it's just that they've shoved us all in, in little districts. So they are not getting support anywhere right. unless they cheat with gerrymandering. Right. And, you know, one of those those issues that they're not talking about kind of takes me to my next question. You know, uh, last week, according to a St. Anselm college survey, nearly four out of five respondents said they want more affordable housing in their neighborhoods and support changes in land regulations to get it. This comes after years of record high rents, housing prices and record low vacancy rates you know, some uh, among some of the lowest rates in the country. Um, you know, I think we could all agree Chris Sununu owns this crisis. This is a housing crisis of almost unmatched scale here in New Hampshire. Um, but our Republican candidates for governor and, and like the aforementioned Tweedledee twins, Tweedledum twins, are they just going to ignore this issue uh, kind of through 2024? Because what they don't have any answers to speak of. Uh, the fact is, earlier this week, um, I re did some research because one of my nieces is uh, looking uh, to move uh, from one two-bedroom apartment to an another one. The average, the average rent for a two-bedroom apartment in Manchester, New Hampshire, is twenty one hundred, twenty one hundred dollars for a two-bedroom <laughs> apartment. That's the average. So if right. you, you know, if you are a picky. Right. Uh, you're going to be paying a lot more than twenty one hundred, you know, for a two bedroom apartment. It's yeah. just mind blowing how expensive rental uh, has has uh, gone. And let me tell you, uh, I, you know, this is sort of stuff that when people said when I was younger, I didn't believe them, but it's by design. They are trying to make New Hampshire an unfriendly place. For working class folks, mm -hmm. for you know, for po folks with uh, disabled children, uh, folks that need uh, some level of assistance uh, in any way, get them out is what their motto is because they want this to be a haven for rich uh, and those who um, live like the you know Unabomber you know <laughs> on their own. Yeah. Um, and, and and that that's all they want in New Hampshire. Yeah. You know, the people that are living off the the grid uh and then the wealthy that that uh don't need to won't pay taxes cuz we don't need to have taxes cuz nothing. They don't send kids to public schools on and on and on. Um I I if if affordable housing was a priority, it would have been something that the Republican legislation, Republican governors uh for decades uh would have addressed. Yeah. No, I think you're totally right. I mean, and it's and it's shameful that um, you know Chris Sununu has so blithely rejected um, you know this entire but, the premise of. But think of this man who's whatever he is, forty two, forty three years old. Oh, yeah. Never one day, never, never one day has he life. worried about 
paying rent yeah. or where he lived or anything yeah. like that. They, they have no comprehension of the struggles of, of uh, the working class in the state of New Hampshire. Just no. no no concern. I mean, he couldn't even imagine it. Yeah, they would you say, know? oh, just work harder. Get yeah. a second job. Just ask your, mon- your yeah. parents for a bailout. You yeah. know? Just ask them for a little money to go yeah. to MIT. You know, what, getting extra gold from that gold mine in Azerbaijan, <laughs> you know? Have a few emeralds. How about some copper from yeah, the Amazon? Yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. sell a few metric tons of uh, copper to be a Sununu. To be a Sununu. To be a Sununu. Well, turning, flipping the page, let's talk about a great governor. A great governor. A great governor. Pennsylvania governor, Josh Shapiro, announced, well, we announced this week that he's going to be the guest speaker at our annual convention. This coming September, Chairman, could you talk a little about the significance, how excited we are to welcome Governor Shapiro to this to the greatest state? Well, it, it's exciting, but but first, let's remember who he is. A uh, bridge fell down in Pennsylvania. Two weeks later, two weeks later, the bridge was rebuilt. Yeah, that two was weeks, incredible. and it two was weeks. live streamed. Exactly, and it was like ah, uh, and the. The legislation that he is signing, you know, free lunch for mm. all students in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, protecting women's reproductive rights, protecting trans kids, uh, uh, doing, uh, really addressing the challenges of of everyone, not just yeah. one segment of, of the state of Pennsylvania, but for all of Pennsylvania, just doing a phenomenal job. It, it, it's breathtaking that he's only been governor for uh, eight months. Yeah. Uh, and with his list of accomplishments are already tenfold better than anything that Chris Noon has done in eight years. <laughs> um, but it is significant because, uh, you know, he is, uh, Governor Shapiro is coming with the encouragement from uh, the Democratic Governors Association, mm. otherwise known as the DGA. Uh, the G- DGA's support uh, for our nominee, uh, which we ha- have not had the last uh, several elections, um, it, with their support, we're able to uh, uh, raise the funds and, and hire the staff and do the organizing to get out the vote uh, to be victorious. So I'm feeling very excited that uh, uh, whether it's uh, Joyce Craig or Cindy Warmington, either one of them uh, are going to be uh, a terrific nominee and a great governor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I... I was working in Pennsylvania um, for a number of years, and I saw um, Governor Shapiro kind of rise through the ranks, you know, be elected to attorney general, and, um, you know, when he finally um, was elected governor. I mean, just, like, absolutely incredible. I mean, what a story. What a guy. What what a what a leader. I mean... Decent. A decent, decent human guy. being. Absolutely. You know? You know? Uh, de- Tough, it's just too. so different yeah. than what we're dealing with, yeah. you know, when... when and smart. You, you and got competent. people like yeah. Donald Trump at the head of the Republican Party, and then it just goes on down, and you're like, what are these people thinking? And yeah. and uh, results-oriented for the average family is not something that uh, uh, that anyone in the Republican Party is thinking about anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're excited. I think it's hard to overstate the excitement. I think it's going to be incredible. Um, finally, Chairman, wanted to know, um, you know, last week, late last week, we saw Donald Trump arrested for the fourth time, this time a little different. Um, I mean, it's all different because how often do former disgraced presidents get arrested? No, never before yeah. in American history. And then four back-to-back. Yeah. But this time, um, 
Mugshot was released. Wanted to know if you had any thoughts on uh, on seeing, you know, the the mugshot of a former president kind of splashed across every screen and device. And well, I've got three thoughts. Uh-huh. First thought is what's sickening is you see the polls here in New Hampshire and across the country yeah. uh, that Republicans overwhelmingly believe that he did nothing wrong, that uh-huh. he didn't uh, uh, he he didn't break any federal laws that they just don't believe it. That's scary for America's future. Yeah. Uh, number two, um, one of the commentators on the news, uh, last Thursday night said, this will be the most famous photograph of any president in history Mm. for centuries to go. And that, that was just sickening, uh, because, um, I was so hoping that that we were going to be able to um, shove him under the rug and kind of forget, kind of like how yeah. we did with Governor Benson. Yeah. And people don't even remember there was a governor in between Shaheen and, right. and Lynch. And that's why I was just hoping. It's like, oh, please let right. us just forget about the, the nightmare of his term. Um, you know, like when Jesse Ventura was governor up in Minnesota. I mean, can anyone even tell you what what time, what you yeah. know, what the years that he served? No. It's just kind of forgotten. Right. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Donald Trump was exactly as bad as Hillary Clinton warned us about over and over mm-hmm. and over in 2016. Yeah. Um, now, the good thing is uh, the justice system is working right. and nobody is above the law. And that is an important thing for, for the young people uh, to see and for the world to see yeah. uh, that, that uh, we're not going to allow uh, insurrections, lawless behavior. Right. Uh, just nobody, uh, nobody has attempted to do what he's done. It's just mind-boggling right. uh, that that he even attempted to do it. Hmm. Well, you know, it's um, it's ironic in some ways. You know, I, I think back to when he ran in 2016. What was what was the 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 slogan he ran on? Lock her up. Yep. Yeah. Oh, the convention. Every speaker, they'd be chanting it. I love it. I I believe one of the loudest locker up chants was after Giuliani spoke. Mm. And oh, how'd you like his mugshot? <laughs> how the turntables have oh, turned. What a buffoon. Ugh. What a buffoon. What a, what a couple Just, of knuckleheads. That's being nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, up next, our interview with Representative Ben Ming. Well, today we've got New Hampshire Representative Ben Ming joining us. Uh, Representative Ming was elected to represent Hollis in 2022 and currently serves on the Fish and Game Committee. Uh, Prior to becoming a state representative, Ming has been a member of the Hollis Planning Board for the past six years. As a Hollis resident and community leader during the pandemic, Representative Ming took an active role in supervising remote learning, uh, allowing parents to balance their work, teaching, and 
parenting responsibilities. Uh, with his wife being a frontline medical worker, Ming and his family uh, know how important it is to help and support our healthcare workers and families. Representative Ming is also an experienced lawyer and has spent years aiding people in real estate, civil lit litigation, business, estate planning, and probate. And so we are so happy to have you with us. Welcome to the show, Representative Ben Ming. Thank you, Chairman Buckley. Thanks uh, for having me. Well, your uh, length of, uh, of wealth of experiences um, really elevates you uh, as a member of the New Hampshire House. Uh, that's very kind of you. <laughs> what, what, uh, what made you decide to, to serve in the House? Um, well, back in 2020, when, when COVID was, was coming through, um, like you mentioned, my wife is a medical worker. She's a, she works in an ER as a doctor and, um, we had an open seat in Hollis and I just wanted to make sure that there was going to be someone good representing, um, our town and making sure that federal dollars came in and supported our local hospitals and that's when I was asked, um, if I'd be interested in running. So that, that's where the start of my... Um, my journey begins. <laughs> well, um, what did you think of those? You know, I, I always will remember. Um, I, I drove up to freshman orientation. I wasn't stressed out at all. Hmm. But it was the day that we got sworn in. I suddenly yeah. became a little overwhelmed by the whole idea that I was going to be serving in the New Hampshire House. Tell us a little about what that feeling was like being sworn in and being on the floor of the House. Uh, many times, for the folks from last term, it, they had never been on the floor of the House, so this was a, a unique right. experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of um, remind myself, I, I, I had been reminding myself, like, well, yeah, this is kind of a first for a lot of people here. And, um, um, yeah, just being in the room, it, it does make it um, seem more real, uh, feel more important. And um, you kind of, during, during the... Um, campaign season you're you kind of have your head down you're just trying to make yourself known and and hopefully um um engender some trust in your community and but once you get there it's it really does kind of kind of hit you yeah well um you did something uh pretty remarkable uh something that's very unusual in fact um, so I've been told. <laughs> when I was uh, elected in the early 80s, and I know having worked for the, in the legislature before that, freshman members were um, discouraged from introducing any legislation. You know, learn the ropes. That learn the changed. ropes. <laughs> learn the ropes. Yeah. And uh, you not only um, introduced a major piece of legislation, you got it passed. Um, talk about what it was that experience was like, and then um, let's then we can have a conversation about what it actually is and, and how it will ha have a remarkable impact on, on families in New Hampshire. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so the interracial marriage bill that I, I guess before we get into the, the actual substance of it to your first question, um, I guess, you know, when, when I, when I first set out on now, who, who co-sponsored it with you? Um, Lear Wilhelm, uh -huh. um, Keith Ammon, Representative Ammon. Um, let's see, uh, Representative Bay, um, uh, Representative Nutting Wong, and I, I really hope that I haven't forgotten anybody. But um, these are these are all representatives that that are in interracial marriages themselves, and um, 
that 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 is kind of what I was going for in the sponsor sponsorship list. Um, people that had a, a vested interest, and um, now when you went up to them and said, "I'm going to put this in," did they kind of go, "Sure, kid," um, or did they really believe that you were going to be able to pass it, and make it into law? They were they were very supportive, actually, mm-hmm. um, and and I think the way I, I had it. You, you can look at, at the at the draft. It's it's a pretty straightforward bill. It's mm-hmm. it it um, it adds to marriage equality that that was passed in 2010, which I'm sure you're you're aware of. <laughs> um, same sex marriage and um, and a lot of what I was able to accomplish does um, piggyback on 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 that law being passed. Um, but I, I guess to to your your first question, the, the initiative to, to do it, um, and, and during orientation, uh, you know, we heard the, the, the same speech. Um, you really should learn the ropes, and this is from people <laughs> who, who, whose opinion I respected then, and, and very much respect now, having seen them operate um, as legislators, uh, longtime legislators. And I guess when I when I first decided to run, I knew that this is. I don't want this to get existential, but um, we we have limited time. Whether um, you know, will I come back for a second term? Who knows? Um, the voters are going to decide that. So I figured there's no time like the present to to actually try. Well, excellent. So let's get into uh, the actual uh, legislation. Did something happen that triggered your belief that it, this is a necessary piece of because le- it certainly not something I recall anyone ever really talking about um, over yeah, the last fair. few decades. Yeah. That um, I think it was just a given that it was uh, it was enshrined already. Uh, nobody brought up the subject, so um, it occurred to you that it was necessary. But was there anything that triggered that? Well, it was it was the uh, Dobbs decision mm-hmm. um, that, that that came down. I think it was like right in the middle of campaign season during 2022. Um, and just calling into question these personal rights, um, the fact that they could be reversed, um, I felt like it, like anything was possible in a bad way. Um, so to have these affirmative rights, I, I thought that was extremely important. And as a first-time leg- legislator, I, I knew it, it had to be something that I did not have to do a whole lot of research for. Like, I, I have plenty of personal experience uh, and yes of course I need to know what the law is in New Hampshire what the law is in the United States but I could speak personally to it and that's that's something that I, like, if I didn't have that backing me up I, I, I don't think I would have done it well you mentioned the the Dodds uh, decision um, by the US Supreme Court interesting that the Republicans the Republican majorities uh, and the Republican governor um, supported your bill, but not um, any sort of uh, affirmative protection for abortion. Um, why do you think that they were willing to be supportive of your piece of legislation, but not uh, not the issue of abortion? It, it's it's something I worried about a lot. Not the fact that, um, well, I mean, I, I was worried that that they wouldn't be supportive. Um, and I'm not sure I have a, a great answer. It, it's it's one that that I, I still kind of think about quite a bit. Um, at, like I saw a lot of parallels in the gay panic defense bill, um, which 
you know, I, I feel like I heard a, a lot of the same um, issues being brought up. It, it hasn't been invoked in this state. Um, it's not exact. It's not really a problem. Um, and <clears throat> this and this bill, this bill won't do anything. Um, so it it really is. It, it's it's confounding because th these are these are rights. These are personal rights, and I and I don't understand. And maybe <laughs> maybe you can enlighten me why 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 you think um, that that was the case. But I, I was nervous pretty much up until the governor signed it. Did uh, there was a, a way that Republicans used to be able to kill uh, uh, pieces of legislation that they didn't want by simply saying, "Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it." Did, did anyone say that on the floor? I mean, how many times have I heard that? Really? Yeah, and that, that's great. That's oh, yes. amazing because <laughs> I mean, it was something that I, when that came out of Republican leaders' mouth or some prominent Republican on the floor of the House, I was like, "Oh crap!" Um, and yes, uh, so yeah. they're still using it. They, huh? they, they still use it, and um, because it sounds good, right? It, yeah. it, it, it's it it makes sense. Um, when you don't hear the rest of the arguments, it makes sense. Yeah, um, it, well, it, it shuts off yeah, the yeah. conversation. It's right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's no need for this. No, nope, not going to vote for it. Right, exactly. Um, even though you just prepared your, you know, this incredibly um, reasoned argument for it. Uh, <laughs> right. The, you know, those just enough Republicans who had already just shut their, their brains off. That's right, that's right. If um, they were ever on. Right. <laughs> so, um you were elected in a community that not too long ago, um, Democrats didn't even bother to run in uh, so <laughs> because they, there was zero chance. And uh, not only were you successful, but you have a team uh, of, of other Democrats that were elected. Um, what's it like uh, running in one of those very few purple districts uh, that we have in the state? And how do you, why do you think that you were successful? Uh, and, uh, and what could you say to people that are running in similar communities around the state yeah. that aren't blue, that aren't deep red, but they're swing districts that kind of lean uh, Republican? Right. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that, that, I, that I did and Representative McGee and Representative Calabro did was find the highest common ground. Um, so for Hollis, the, there are two things that are fairly universal about, you know, about our community, and it's that people care about the schools and that people care about the way it looks, like land use and zoning. And if you can stay on target with, with those, those issues, a lot of the other issues kind of, kind of fall to the wayside, not, maybe not completely gone, but um, I did talk to plenty of independents that were definitely Republican, um, you know, a handful of Republicans, and um, I think the the other thing is that you know we're, we're pretty involved in politics in New Hampshire just in general, and they're willing to give a local person a shot. I, I think that 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 is the other key. Um, maybe they have their very strong opinions about federal about federal politics, but they can have a quite different opinion on a person that they know lives in their community and understands the values uh, of, um, of Hollis, in my case. Tell us a little bit about um, your experience uh, going door-to-door -door and talking to some of your, were you met with some skepticism? What kind of, were they asking tough questions or were they just grateful that you knocked on their door? Um, a whole variety, mm -hmm. as you know, 
as could be expected by being in a purple district. Um, I, I personally loved it because when I ran in 2020, we had nothing but call time, essentially. <laughs> and, and there's something that's, it's, it's really hard to get your point across when you're just leaving a voicemail or um, just trying to establish some kind of connection with the person on the other end of the line. So I, I even though door knocking was new to me, this, <laughs> door knocking for myself was, was a first for, like I, I, I had not done door to door campaigning for anybody. Um, but I, I was met with a whole host of um, reactions, you know, people that were grateful um, that there was someone that was a, that's, that's a young parent that's running. Um, and at the same time, the same skepticism that, that you, that you talked about. Um, and did you pick up any tricks? One of the things that I, you know, I was elected out of, uh, the Southern part of Manchester, which was undeveloped. And so through the decades increasingly became more developed. Mm -hmm. So there were two things that I picked up on. Um, one, if the person had an American flag out front, mm. they were more likely a Democrat. And a friendly Democrat, yeah. and yep. which is the opposite of what it's the Republicans try to say. It's, yeah. And the other is, if it's a brand new house and they have Massachusetts plates on their license, yeah. uh, license uh, on their car, they no matter how they're registered, uh, they're going to vote Republican because uh, mm. they moved up here because they were right. they were angry um, and uh, not really interested in much that you have to say. <laughs> and so I was just like, okay, well, do I have time today to get yelled at for for twenty minutes about nothing that's relevant to the New Hampshire House of Representatives? Right. Yeah. I mean, in some senses, uh, we you know, I, I came across a few of those. I, I had uh, I had some some houses I was supposed to knock that had. Certain flags that mm -hmm. that would indicate that I probably should just skip the house uh, mm -hmm. completely, and um, I don't know. I, I think um, so. When you asked the, the question about like what what kind of advice would you mm -hmm. give to candidates in, in other purple districts, I think it's the fact that Democrats um, Democrats in purple districts are often quiet about what they believe in. They don't feel the need to put. A dozen signs, even though I love to <laughs> love to see that when when I come across those houses. But I think by, by and large, um, Democrats they they have their values. Um, Democratic voters they have their values, and they're content with voting the way they want to. But they also feel like they don't have to put it right on their front lawn. So uh, the pandemic was difficult for everybody. Yes, uh, but it was. A thousand times uh, more difficult for families of healthcare workers. Um, yeah. Tell us about what that experience was like and what you think we can do to, uh, if we're ever again in that sort of situation, that can be, uh, we can be more supportive of uh, you know the medical workers. Oh, that's like <laughs> that's a very big question. Um, I think what. What's really tough is that there, there was a very small window where medical workers um, were celebrated. And it, given the type of medicine that my, my wife practices, she sees people at their worst. Um, and of course, these are not bad people. These are just people having the worst day of their life. Um, so it's it makes sense that... Um, that um, that people that people in medical work struggled during that time because 
despite the amount of support that that came through um, like for instance we, we we did actually have some childcare help because uh, we were frontline workers um, so that that was actually very very helpful um, it let her do her job let me do my job um, but to, to kind of give a shout out for the the ER um, it, it, it's so often used as primary care at this point so any way that primary care can be expanded like just attracting more doctors I, I think that that's really that's really the key because a lot of people if they if they don't have primary care doctors they, they're going to the ER and that they're considering it kind of their their home base for for physical care I see that you serve on the Fish and Game Committee. Uh, was yes. that uh, in your top choices? Um, and is it something that, uh, tell, tell us something interesting about the Fish and Game Committee. Okay, yeah. Um, so very candidly, uh, I, I chose it in large part because it doesn't see a whole lot of legislation which would allow me as a parent to, to be as present as I want to be with my family. Um, how many kids do you have? We have four. Four. Yeah. So uh, yeah, sixth grade, fifth grade, uh, second grade, and first grade. Wow. Yeah. So we're we're busy, and um, I <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a it's a hectic lifestyle, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, so so fishing game, you know, you know, I, I I'm I'm personally not a hunter, but I I did grow up fishing a lot, so it, it's not like there wasn't any. It's not like there was no connection to, to fish and game, but um, it's been great. It's like it, it's it's been fun to to learn new things. And yeah, give us an example. What I mean, what was something that you were completely unaware of that suddenly in committee you're talking about something and like, huh? I never knew that. Well, we we had we had um, a few bills of game cameras and. Um, and game blinds, like like um, ladders, where you climb up and climb up into a tree uh, for hunting, and and it, it required quite a bit of <laughs> um, research on my part. Like even though I like I have a, a, a tiny little game camera to, to to see like what animals are eating the, the vegetables on my garden, um, but it's kind of kind of a good initiative to to learn about something that I didn't know very much about, and um, and and I I think that's. I think that's a good thing. I mean, just just learning new things. Um, well, here's a question for you. Okay, I've right. always more direct. I've right. always wondered where did the term game come from? To uh, fish, obviously, but like we say, call it the Fish and Game Committee. But there's like the Fish and Game Commission, and so it's obviously a term. Um, yeah. I've never, nobody's ever explained to me where did, did they explain that to to you when you got on the committee? No, they they we kind of hit the ground running. Uh, <laughs> Um, it, I would it, definitely ask that in my first day. Like, what the hell is the <laughs> why, why game? <laughs> where, um, where did that word come from? Oh well, you know the hunters are def, are called sportsmen, so I, I think that it kind of, kind of comes around the idea that this is kind of a it's like a challenge. It's <laughs> it's a sport, and and sports sports can be games. So that's that, that's my that's my best guess. Okay. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, and, and I don't know if the uh, the, the statutes, the RSAs, uh, mm -hmm. really give give it any more clarity. Than no, that. I don't think it does. <laughs> That's why I, I, I yeah. I've in all these decades, nobody's ever really 
stopped and said, "Hey, that's where." What the, does that mean? Right. Yeah. Where, did, where did that come from? You know. Yeah. Um, well, you obviously passed a pretty significant piece of legislation that you uh, received um, national uh, and uh, you know uh, reports from uh, across the state. What do you have planned for next term? Oh, I don't. I I, I have some ideas, but I I don't know. It's it is it is tough to come back and and feel like you need to duplicate something like that. But I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to look at it more from a practical standpoint and and see if there's something slightly more local that I can do. I, I think that's. That that might be the idea. Um, not that not that the bill that I passed wasn't local, but um, I think that's something that everybody really appreciates when you think about the issues that are highly local. Um, that that certainly garners a lot of support. Well, talking about local, uh, on September 30th, Saturday, September 30th, you're going to serve as uh, co-chair of the New Hampshire Democratic Party State Convention in uh, Bedford. And uh, the focus of that convention really is to underscore uh, the importance of uh, these um, purple towns of Hillsborough County. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard it uh, said uh, more than once that um, that uh, the towns of Hillsborough County really are where uh, elections are won or lost. Uh, the majority on the council, the state senate, the house were all decided by the towns of Hillsborough County. Uh, and uh, there's enough voters in there that can be determinative of a statewide election. Um, what, uh, what, if you were to talk to somebody from some other town, what would you say or why, wh- how would you encourage them to come to the convention, even if they're not a delegate? Uh, why would it be important to kind of join together? Um, so this, is, this may sound like it's a little bit off topic, but... Um so when I I went to the McIntyre Shaheen dinner, that was the first fundraising dinner that I had I had ever been to in um, your whole life. In my whole life, your whole my, life. my whole life. No right? way. Yes, um, and I, I I kind of felt like I had to, or like I I really should show up. <laughs> and um, what was your favorite part? Oh, well, I guess I, I really do have to say it is getting the proclamation from President Biden, thanks to you. <laughs> you know, I've been struggling to find a frame for, for those two gigantic pieces of paper. Um, well, Do you have I, one? I will show you. I see a lot of frames here. Yeah, I'll show you what I did to <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. mine. Um, for AAPI month, for, yes. for those uh, uh, unaware. Um, so that, yes, that, that, that was fantastic. I, I really appreciate that. Um, but uh, I, I did not expect to get kind of swept up in the energy of being around people that have similar values. So I feel like if you if you are even remotely interested, you should come give it a shot because I, I think the the energy of 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 all the people that that believe in a, a greater granite state. I mean there I I talk sometimes people are like skeptical. It's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, is it really worth my time?" It's like there's something in human nature. Uh, there's a reason why millions upon millions upon millions of people every Sunday go to church. Yes. Uh, yeah. That there's a connection, this camaraderie. And I talk about, uh, I have been ridiculously fortunate to be able to go to, I think, nine uh, national conventions. There's nothing like the euphoria 
of being in an arena, hmm. uh, sometimes with 30,000. Uh, in the case of 2009, we're, there were 90,000 in the Invesco field the night that uh, Obama accepted yep. the nomination. Um, when you're in a crowd of 90,000 people, and when you come from a, a purple state like New Hampshire, yeah. um, you know, not everyone always believes everything that you believe in, but when you're about to cheer or clap and you realize that every single other person in that room or that arena is doing that at the same time, there's this sense of, uh, of support of, of energy that, that really can sustain you for years um, because it yeah. really, it tells you that, that your, your values um, are shared. And I think that's an important uh, important thing that Democrats, I, Republicans really understand this. Um, and Democrats struggle with it because, you know, we, uh, uh, what defines us as Democrats is, you know, they always say that we bring a, a book to a knife fight. And, and it's sort of true in the sense that uh, we would rather talk politics and talk solutions than part, be part of the hoopla. Mm, yeah. uh, the Republicans would much rather do the hoopla. I've always said that the Republicans would rather run for, they love the campaign part. It's the governing <laughs> they hate. And Democrats love the governing and hate the campaigning. Um, and so trying to uh, get uh, get Democrats to to come to these sorts of events that, that uh, bring people together, you get to meet people. Um, I had the opportunity uh, just uh, this past week of having uh, dinner with uh, somebody that when I was 16 years old, I saw her for the first time on the floor of the Democratic State Convention mm -hmm. in 1976, and it was Dudley Dudley, the first mm -hmm. woman ever yeah. elected to the Executive Council. And within a year, um, we were uh, friendly. Uh, but I was so overwhelmed that she, because she was so internationally famous for stopping the, the oil refinery that Onassis was trying to build off the coast. And... Those are those sorts of opportunities that you have at these conventions, that they're people that you read about or that you see on television, you're going to be able to interact with. Right. And yeah. it just is a, a, an opportunity that people should take advantage of, I think. Yeah, I agree. And especially in New Hampshire, we're, we're, we're really spread out. And I know for some, a lot of these smaller towns, it's like one or two people that are kind of keeping the, the Democratic boat afloat. Um, so... To, to get that energy from a whole bunch of people, I think is really important. So, if you if you even feel that a little bit, you should you should you should attend. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, Representative Ben Ming of Hollis. Thank you, Chairman Buckley. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Party Line Podcast brought to you by the New Hampshire Democratic Party.